<clears throat> yeah. 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 You, you hesitated. Is there? It's because we went live. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe there was a secret. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, hi, everybody. Look at this. How did all these people get here already? We just went live. Hi, Becca. Hi, Joe. Hi, Eugene. What else is in there? I mean, hi, Katie. It's good for you to join us. Welcome everyone and welcome back to me. You guys all know that I was missing last week. I had a little bit of a nervous breakdown and even a, a night off to, to recuperate, but now I'm back with uh, some of my favorite people here. And now that I'm back, I'm going to turn this over to Katie, who's going to do the uh, the work here real quick. All right. Well, you know, we've got a new sponsor. We talked about that last week. So first sponsor of the night is bourbon. Not, not that, not that. <laughs> Our first sponsor is Go Indie Now. They are the online indie artist network and they offer exciting new content weekly, monthly and seasonally, all of which highlight support and promote indie artists of all forms. You can check them out at goindienow.com, subscribe to their YouTube channel or find them on Facebook. And remember, it's always time to go indie now. And I know the boss is watching, so I just had to make sure I nailed that line. Yes. <laughs> Did you just make that up because it sounded so smooth? <laughs> I'll hear about it later if we get it wrong. Right. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> no, Joe, we love you. And thank you so much for supporting our show. Their support offers us the ability to stream on StreamYard, which does Facebook and YouTube at the same time and provides this lovely live comment section we have on the side, which will be popping up on the screen as we go. So uh, before we get started here, we were talking about V's tiny house. So we're 20 on the bottom and then 26 <laughs> on the top, right? For Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I like the I like the sound of that. I actually want to get a camper, like one of the one of the driving campers for me and my wife, mm -hmm. when the kids are all gone, and we can just drive mm -hmm. around and just like park it in, in you know at friends and friends' driveways and stuff like at Katie's house. Um, <laughs> I love that idea, but the tiny houses are just amazing. Is is it anything like the the tiny house yeah, on, the, on the show? I mean, I'd like to think so. I. I'd like to think it's um, it's it's cuter. Um, <laughs> oh. No, we um. All right. We, we've been working on it. Since Suck it, tiny house. <laughs> so it's it's taken a hot minute to to do. Um, there there are a lot of work, but um, and and a fair amount of money. But hey, it's it it's up front, you know. Um, yeah. I'm 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 really excited to to get it on the road soon. So. That's cool. <laughs> I gotta wonder though, like living in a tiny house especially during quarantine, do the walls really start feeling like they're closing in on you? Like, see, so my husband and I both work as archeologists. So we, we basically live out of hotels more often than not. Um, and the apartment that we live in when we're not working is a studio apartment. Um, and so technically we'll actually have more room um, in the tiny house. And we've gotten very used to being very close because um, we, we work together, we, we live together, we also, like we're we're dig partners when 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 we're digging together, um, so it's a lot of togetherness, and we're both very good at being like alone together. <laughs> and that I mean not not just during COVID. So oh. you have to be because you drive each other yeah. nuts if you were like right on top of each other and not yeah. able to feel at least some separation when you need it. Yeah, head headphones are wonderful things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we we have two rooms. We have the main trailer. 
and then we have a, a, a aluminum um, add room uh, that's okay. 30, yeah. 30 feet long versus our 37 feet long. And then we have a deck out front. So, and it's, yeah. it's just one floor, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's so it, it's what they call a, tra uh, it's a travel trailer park model. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's not, it's, we wanted the ones with the peaks and the second <laughs> floor, but you can't have that here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Jane, Jane, you know, I, I really, I love talking to you guys, but this is a show about the writing and publishing industry. We're True. Not, yes. Not tiny houses. houses. Sorry. No. Wow. You started it. <laughs> is, is Jason trying to put us on topic? <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't have any topics. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we, well, we, we should we, introduce we, ourselves, though. Yes. These have been on the show a couple times before. Uh, Dwayne, I don't. I know that you've been on my show, The Raven. I don't think you've been on Screen Nico, have you? No, I don't think so. No, it's just your show. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, Dwayne, could you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm uh, Dwayne Clayton. I was a uh, police officer and paramedic for 42 years. And uh, about 10 years ago, while I was still working, uh, I got this idea that I wanted to start writing. I needed a hobby that wasn't exactly work. So I started <laughs> writing crime thrillers. Um, I guess you write what you know. And... Um, so I started 10 years ago, took lots of courses, um, conferences and that sort of thing. And in 2018, published my first book. And then in 2019, I published two. And I have one ready to go now. And the second one, I just got back from uh, my editor from Final Edit. So the work's up to me now. So um, I love writing crime thrillers. That's awesome. Thank you. And, and thank you for your service as a police officer. Crisis Point was a uh, was very cool. I I enjoyed it a lot. And, and you and I have already talked about Crisis Point, but we're gonna have to talk about it again because hey, it doesn't count if you didn't do it on this show. And I noticed that you're doing the zoomy thing now, Katie, with the, the solo layout. Is is that a new thing since we're working with Go Indy now, and Joe likes to do that? No, no, that's just we haven't done it in a while. We need to Maybe. do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. better there. That's better. Who gave you the control, Clinic? <laughs> <laughs> they don't give me controls. That's like when I when I, I started working at the clinic I, I work at, and and by the way, my boss is watching right now, so I've got to be careful here. Oh, and Kendra says she lived in a uh, one one bedroom. A mastiff. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, that counts. Yes, that, that truly counts. <laughs> I mean, it took up a lot of room. That was a big dog. Um, but anyhow, when I first started working at the clinic, I worked there with a, with a gal who had been there for a couple of years already. And within a few months, I already had a key. And I remember she got really upset with me about it. I was like, you don't realize that I have a key so that I could come in early and work late and lock the doors. It's not, it's not something that you want, but... Yeah, that was kind of funny. I don't know why that's so relevant right now to talk about. What were we <laughs> oh, the controls. The controls. Controls. I have to comment on the, the, the 600 square foot with a Mastiff and three kids. I mean, three kids is one thing, but the Mastiff, that's a huge dog. And that's because the Oh my goodness. I mean, I, I've got a Husky and she's, we're not allowed to let her get over 65 pounds because of her hip issues. And just having her in our thousand square foot apartment has been crazy. 
And she went from a dog that hated doing walks and hated, you know, being forced to go outside to now demanding walks every day or she goes crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just having, you know, a 65 pound dog in the house is crazy, but less space and a bigger dog. Oh my God. Yeah. Our, our, our dog's almost 80 pounds. So ah, <laughs> a little snug. <laughs> well, and those, those big dogs are so much fun though. I mean, I don't have a big dog. I have all miniature dogs, which Katie knows she's been here. I, you know, all pugs. They're so cute. Dogs. They're cute. But you know, when, whenever we get, you know, a good 180 pound, uh, you know, mastiff at the shop, I'm like, God, I love these big freaking things. And I'm like, I don't want to go home because you know, it's big as big as one of my rooms and, you know, are bigger than my dogs combined and uh, so much. Work. By a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you fit like probably 20 of your dogs in, in a master. <laughs> oh, all right. So our other guest tonight is the incredible VS Holmes, archaeologist and V has been on the show before, but uh, can you introduce yourself and tell us about yourself? Sure thing. Um, so I'm V.S. Holmes. I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer. Um, I'm also an archaeologist during the, well, when we're working, um, <laughs> when there's work to be had. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's me, basically. I'm, I'm a nerd. <laughs> to close up, Jay. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I didn't have my mic on or anything, and they're like, that fits. I have we haven't had you around for a while. We got to mess with you. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. Yeah. All right. Well, he wasn't All right. on last week, but he was the week before, right? I don't know. Just uh, time is yeah. just gone. It's like every week flashes by, but yet feels like it's forever at the same time. And you're like, what day is it? <laughs> yeah, every day. What day is yeah. it? Yeah. You know, it is, it is, it is uh, un unhappy when you wake up on a Tuesday and think it's Saturday and then you realize you have to get up and actually go to the computer and, and do your day job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. it's not Saturday. I can't sleep in. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I have one of those jobs that's, that's really enjoyable most days because I work with animals and I absolutely love animals. So, so we're, we're already winning right there. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's these last few mornings lately, it's, it's like I, I really don't want to get out of my bed and go anywhere, you know. I just want to let the world pass by for another six months and see what happens next year. You know, it's just like, mm -hmm. let's hit the reset. Let's hard reset on that. Yeah. Like I had to do with my computer not long ago uh, <laughs> and just move on. But uh, anyhow, I, I was going to talk about something. Katie, do you know what it was? I know. I can't read your mind. I do know what I, do know what I, I was going to talk about. So, all right. So V has got this really amazing, uh, dark color going today that I'm super <laughs> jealous of. And then Katie was talking about this book that she's reading. It's like a Deborah Harkness books. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, well, why don't we talk about witches a little bit? Maybe some favorite witch books or, you know, witch related lore, anything like that. Or the, the secret project that I'm working on. <laughs> we like secret projects. Dwayne, do you have any witchy stuff you want to talk about? Oh, I'm gonna have to think about that. All right, you think about that, and we're yeah. we're gonna we're gonna come back to you because yeah. you you have some spooky yeah. tales. That's that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Witches, yeah. witches are great. I mean, I 
I love everything from witch fiction to the actual witch history, even though the actual witch, witch history is not entertaining at all. It's absolutely effing horrible and tragic. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, but so I'd like to maybe let's talk about witches, guys. You guys down? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Just I, mean, I, have, I have a series with a witch in it. So a Wiccan, you know, who does spells and initially does them badly. <laughs> Do you, so, you write books as well, Jane? <laughs> <laughs> we never talk. I, I wouldn't know. We know where the books are. <laughs> yes. We missed you, Jason. We missed you. <laughs> it's, funny. Um, it's, it's very funny. I, I friended somebody in the campground recently, and she says, oh, congratulations on getting published. And then I saw her today. I'm like, you know I'm up to 50, right? I have 50 <laughs> books. And she goes, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not selling myself here very well. <laughs> you know, you forget to do that, I swear. Not to derail us off of Jason's topic, but self-promotion in person feels so foreign. I don't know if you guys get the same thing. Where when somebody asks you about your book, you could probably talk about it forever. But when they put you on the spot, you're like, ah. I do write books. Yeah, there's I, pages. I do that. Yeah, but but yeah. <laughs> so yes, Jason, I write books, and I have <laughs> witches and spells in them too, <laughs> which is fun. It was it, it was it was interesting to to research the Wiccan background and the Wiccan religion. So <laughs> I am showing a lot of chest here, guys. Yes, oh my. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> how um how close to the the research did you stick when when you're actually writing um to the to the wiccan religion i mm -hmm. stuck to it because it, it interested me you know the the religion what jason <laughs> what did you say <laughs> 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 I didn't do anything. <laughs> but yes, I mean, I stuck to that. Um, I found some, you know, viable spells and, and, you know, of course, changed them a little bit. But, but you know, the, the ingredients are all earthbound ingredients. It's not like, you know, I have newt. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all crystals and herbs and oils so mm -hmm. research is half the fun yeah it was <laughs> i i like how you refer to those as ingredients too earthbound ingredients that's really cool that's a way to look at it yeah well if you're if you're building a potion or a spell it, it's just like cooking i'm a bad cook so <laughs> <laughs> I, I must have been thinking about I, I must have uh, misunderstood you because I was thinking of it kind of uh, the ingredients that went into the, the stories themselves, how you're, you know, you're using oh. elements and calling them ingredients. So that's what oh. I was thinking. That was really cool. But <laughs> I actually, was in the spell, oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess actually, <laughs> that's like stuff two things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, that's cool because uh, I, I don't have to like. I don't do a whole lot of research for a lot of my books because most of them aren't set in this world. Um, you know, I've, I have to do, you know, mechanical research and stuff like that, but it's always neat when 
there's someone who is like really researching either like a culture or religion or myths or whatever. And I'm, I'm always curious how, how truthful they are. Um, Cause you know, we always warp things a little bit. So. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I took what I learned and changed it. So it wasn't, you know, <laughs> plagiarism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, so this isn't things, these are kind of the words. So here's what I'm going to change it to. But I, I remained true to the form, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So spirit. I mean, I mean I've researched crime stuff too <laughs> for my FBI series. Yeah. yeah. I guess the closest I would I would come to that is uh, I do a, a talk on poison as a murder weapon. Mm -hmm. And looking at poison uh, back through nice. time and especially in the uh, 1700s into the 1800s. Um, the poisons, there was no such thing, obviously, as forensics. Mm -hmm. So some of the poisons were referred to as inheritance tax uh, because you could get rid of your senior family members and mm -hmm. collect, collect your inheritance. And there was no way for people to really know. They couldn't tell what drug had been given or what poison had been given. And there's actually yeah. a book called The Poisoner's Handbook that, uh, oh, yeah. that, that, that goes through the history. And so, yeah, it's one... One of my favorite books. Can I say that? Yeah, uh, it, it, it actually is truly a fascinating book. Uh, some, some of the history and, and it was almost like a cat and mouse game of, of the poisoners would develop a poison and then science was trying to find a way to detect it and counteract it. And then another poison would come and, <laughs> and on we go into the current day. So, so what's your favorite poison? <laughs> oh, well, I, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, the, my favorite poison or the one that would be least likely to uh, be, be detected even now is uh, a neuromuscular blocker, um, okay, which, yeah. is, which, which is usually used improperly on TV. So the neuromuscular blocker knocks out everything except your heart. Mm -hmm. So the heart is a different muscle. It's not... Um, so uh, heart keeps pumping, but you can't blink, you can't talk, you can't breathe because you can't move your yes. diaphragm, and it's a very mm. painful way to go. Um, yes. And it'll follow, you know, you can survive four minutes without yeah. air. That's mm -hmm. about the time you would have. And it's also one of the drugs that's used in, um, of the three drugs used in a, uh, a lethal injection. Okay. Oh. So they add, well, they add a couple of sedatives in it, so you... So, the terror isn't there of not being able to breathe, but right. yeah. Yeah. just, so just the other terror. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it wears off very quick and is hard to find in the blood afterwards. I, I just want to point out that when you say, when you said I give a talk on in poisoning, every person here said, "Ooh, <laughs> oh, hell is wrong with us." I know. So, so quick offers. Yeah, so quick, quick story on that. The very first talk I ever did. At a writing conference was that was on that poison is a murder weapon i'd never been to this conference before it was 2012 when words collide in calgary um and a friend had said hey you should come and talk about it i was just getting into the crime writing stuff then mm -hmm. so i showed up half an hour before my talk and was introduced to people and they said okay well you're in this room and i walked into the room and there was a lot of people in the room and i thought okay well they haven't <laughs> cleared out yet and then more people came in and more people came in and more people came in. And by the time I started my talk, I like to pace when I talk. I had to stand still because I had people sitting at my feet. The entire room was filled. And it was at that point in time, I realized how sick crime writers really are. <laughs> 
there's yeah. a lot of murderers in this yeah, in this room. Right. <laughs> and, and they were taking notes like crazy. Yeah, you, you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, one quarter cup, the deadly nightshade. One quarter. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. Now, oh yeah. Now. Not to, not to sound like I'm I'm fangirling on here, but do you have a recording of that presentation? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think I do. That is uh, something. That's something. You know, I I thought of last year at the conference, and then I didn't do it. I was, I was talking on some other stuff, but How yeah, about I do I do need to do that. And I actually have a friend who keeps telling me. I think she's posted on the side here, Jennifer, that keeps saying, "You have to record this stuff. You have to record this stuff." <laughs> yes. Now, who is who is Jennifer? Is that uh, online for authors? That's online for authors. Yeah. Well, hi Jennifer. I don't think I've met you before, but it's good to meet you. Um, and you know what? You know, on the, the subject of poison, guys, there is a podcast that I am fairly obsessed with called "This Podcast Will Kill You." It's all about diseases, <laughs> and they do several episode about uh, about several poisons, um, and it is just freaking fascinating. <laughs> it is sure. so good, uh, but. I if you're interested, that's a great show to, to check out. Uh, and that's the one you listen to at work. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Although we've got we've got all sorts of good stuff at work too. So you wouldn't want to come in there and mess with anybody. We know. Oh yeah. You know all the right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I dated a vet tech once, and yes, can can corroborate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and you know, it's funny is because we're usually such a. We're, we're fairly happy people when we're working because we love what we do, but man, Animal. we see some nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. We see some stuff. Most people are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go throw up and then and uh, go home after that. But, yeah, we, we've had several students in this last year who have uh, one actually just was um, at the tail end of her, uh, of her schooling to be a vet tech, came in, um, observed us for a day and quit uh, uh, <laughs> vet tech school. Uh, we had another one who passed out in the middle of a, a procedure. And I mean, man, man, it's, it's, I mean, I think that either you built for it or, or not. And I think that, you know, it was like, hey, and I, I know that you were in uh, law enforcement and, um, and uh, EMT for, for years. And I think that some of the stuff you see, either you're, you're built for it or, or you're not, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We had the same thing with the, with the students when they would come out. They'd spend four to six months in classes, and then they would come out and not having been exposed to it before, it was a, a shock to the system when we went to some of the more serious calls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Firemen have that too. So. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> firemen aren't they usually the the first people called, or is that just something they see in TV shows? Well. It depends on how close they are to the scene, but yeah, first called to accidents, obviously first called to fires. So, I mean, Darren did that. My husband did that. Uh, he was a volunteer firefighter when we got married. So, okay. Yeah, we we live in a really rural area, and firefighters are always the first ones because they're the closest because of yeah. just the way our infrastructure is. So. Okay. Okay. Well, you guys were talking about uh, research, uh, Jane and B. Dwayne, yeah, I know that you and I have already talked about this once before, but you know, because you were, um, you know, in service for so long, did you have a lot of research that you needed to do into your crime thrillers, or was it all stuff that it was kind of already in your background? 
I think a lot of it, especially in Crisis Point, was was a lot of background. So there was a number of scenes in in Crisis Point that were things that I had experienced. And so I put those in. There was one that was a, a 20 minute car chase. I was by myself. That was pretty, pretty exciting. And uh, and so I threw a few of those things in. But I, I find a, a little bit on the research side that I feel under pressure to get it right. Um, because I know other police officers or paramedics, I'm hoping they're going to read it. And if I make a mistake on any of those, they'll be all over me for it. So, I, so you know, I, I do double check things on guns and, uh, you know, how many, how many shots they can fire and, and the speed and, and make sure some of it, because my stories, uh, the Brad Coulter series starts in 1976. So I also have to make sure that the guns were actually around then. And I actually caught myself a, a few weeks ago that I had my main character with a Glock. And uh, that pistol wasn't created until 10 years after the point in time oh. I was in in the novel. And it was just one of those things that, that I had just finished writing a story that was in, in, in current times. And they were carrying Glocks. And when I started writing this other one, I just automatically threw the Glock in and then caught myself and went back to wait a minute. I don't remember that. <laughs> right. and, I and looked and said, Oh yeah, I was, I was 10 years out on that. If I'd put that in, I know lots of guys that would have just rolled their eyes. Yeah. And been after me on that one. But when I wrote uh, Delia, which is, which is called whispers and was now um, there, there was a lot of stuff that happened during world war two. And I've always been a little bit of a world war two junkie. And so I, I understood the, the weaponry that was used. Um, but as soon as it came to weaponry in the modern age, I was making all sorts of mistakes. And so I actually called a friend of mine who's just kind of like my the buddy who really loves guns. You know, he's got a huge arsenal in his basement. And I was like, I really need some help. You <laughs> should over for me um, and, and help me to get stuff right. Because that's one of those things that people will always uh, call you out on. And it will stick in, in their minds. And the funny thing is, in that in that same book, I didn't realize it until I listened to the audiobook through um, a second time. Unfortunately, after it had been published, but in the, uh, the the first chapter, there's a scene where someone's getting chased by a guy with a shotgun, and um, and there's that one point where you know he uh, he you know he he cocks the gun, but then he just cocks it again like two paragraphs later. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> it's there now, so yeah. <laughs> I guess I I like watching um, the Forgotten Weapons YouTube channel, yeah. um, especially with the older ones, because um, as my fantasy series progresses, it's getting closer to Flintlock uh, fantasy, and I know like a little bit, but I really don't know that much. And um, so I've been really enjoying looking at that because he goes in such depth, and there's a lot of like lesser known things that. I, I like being able to incorporate into into just the, the plot or, or the world building. Yeah, I had a, I had my gun gun friend take me shooting mm -hmm. <laughs> because, because if I was going to write an FBI thriller, I needed to know how to shoot a gun and and, yeah. and understand just how difficult a sharpshooter or, mm -hmm. or an expert shot is. <laughs> I certainly wasn't. <laughs> part of that research is, is getting to experience it. So right. going out and trying out different guns, trying out a suppressor, you know, seeing what they feel like in your hand, what it sounds like when it goes off, what the kick is, because then you can you can describe it better for you know for your readers. Yeah, I think that too. That um, and that that goes for everything. Is that it's much different when you actually experience it. 
uh, versus when you research it for, for your book. Um, you know, so that's just, you know, going to say, you know, all, all you people out there that want to, wanting to write crime, you know, go out there, kill some people, you know? <laughs> um, wait, 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 hold, hold on. Wait, just <laughs> No, no, we don't want that. Um, no, we're no, uh, not endorsing the killing of people. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> uh, so Joe from uh, Go Indie Now says, uh, I would guess a lot of of Nell or VS. Uh, they didn't have to research much of either. And, you know, I actually read, uh, <laughs> I, I read my first uh, VS Holmes book only a few months ago. And that is actually going to be my next read after this uh, nerdy uh, science book I'm reading right now, um, because it was so fascinating and the, the character was so interesting to me. But I got that same feeling that okay, is this the real VS Holmes? Is is you know V this? Character? <laughs> you know, you know. Tell us about research and and writing a book about archaeology and fantasy and sci-fi. It it wasn't as easy as I. Um thought it was going to, I mean, I guess that's like all books, right? Um, but on on that level, it, it really wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be because Nell does academic archaeology. Um, you know, she's associated with a, with a university and I do contract archaeology, which is the like blue collar pipeliner version. Um, and so I, I sort of had some of the same issues actually that, that sorry, Dwayne sorry, mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no advocating during killing. I was, um, I was just, yeah, I was just looking at the comments on the side there. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, but no, I, I had some of the same issues as as Dwayne, where it's like I, I know coworkers are going to read this, and methodology varies a lot, and so I, I was worried that people were going to be like, well, well, that's not how we do it, and that's not how they do it. It's like, well, but that's that's how some people do it. So I tried to like strike a medium with it. Um, but as far as her personality goes, uh, no, not. Not much research was needed, no. <laughs> well, and you know, in reading that book, and I, I, I told you this already, and and it wasn't meant as as a dig in any way. <laughs> dig, reality. <laughs> yes. Um, um, I I had a tough time understanding some of it, um, mm -hmm. because you're, I don't remember what they call when you when you clear out a space, a unit or something yeah. like that. Um, and some of these some of these terms, like, I'm trying so hard to picture what this is, but I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm picturing it wrong, and so I was kind of going back and forth to the to the to the map drawing at the beginning of the book. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Don't commit crime, okay, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just saying you would really have a good grip on what it feels like. It was a hypothetical. <laughs> you know what? What do we do when we've got a subject that may or might may not be more esoteric? Um, in in nature, and we're we're trying to we're trying to write about it in a way that people can enjoy, but where we're not just spelling every little thing out yeah. to to dumb it down for people because that's obnoxious too. If you have someone that's knowledgeable, you know, what's what's a good balance there? Yeah, that was that was really hard. Um, I think I I was lucky enough to have someone who had gone to one field school. Um, so she she knew like the very, very basics. Um, and I had her read it and she also reads like, a, you know, more fast paced, you know, either thrillers or crime, you know. And, and so I asked her to read it and say like, okay, so where is it boring? Where were you confused? Um, 
And, and that I think was, was really helpful. And I definitely think that, you know, some, some people who really aren't familiar with, with anything about it might, might struggle a little bit, but, um, but I think for the most part, I nailed it. I hope, I don't know. <laughs> I, I also haven't asked my coworkers what they thought, cause I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm scared of because most of the, most of the girls I work with have, have read my book. Um, some of them have said that they never wanted to come to work again after reading it. Uh, things like that, which I thought was high freaking praise, right? Um, but you know, I you laughed easily. Away. <laughs> I don't have author skin. Uh, so one thing I don't do is I don't ask those kind of questions in person to people. I, you know, I you know I'll, I I will. You know, maybe say, you know, hey, what do you think of it? But I won't, I won't go deeper than that because I, I am still so self-conscious about my own work, and I know that my psyche isn't as strong as it should be. Um, you know, I've got a lot of stumbling around up there, and so I don't ask that because, uh, you know, I don't want somebody to be brutally honest and point out all the shit that I did wrong, <laughs> and then and then be you know collapse and do a little puddle on the ground. Um, <laughs> I thrive on that. Smile and yeah. Jane, not what? <laughs> <laughs> you're not human. <laughs> Apparently, I am, and I burn. <laughs> Wait, are you a vampire? Hold on a second. No. Nope. <laughs> cat okay. she was over the daylight. Well, before we engaged in this lovely topic of conversation, though, we were in uh, enjoying another topic, though. We were talking about witches. But, and I think it's important for us to get back to witches. Because we didn't hear from Katie at all. Katie, what are you talking about witches? You know, I don't actually write too much about witches, but kind of like VS, I, I don't always write in this version of our world. So I get to do a lot of making up the magical system and how it works and recreating the gods and how those things, you know, evolved into what this world knows as magic. So I, I have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, magic systems are really interesting. Like, you got to remember to stick to them, though, too. Yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've, I screwed myself over with, you know, my brilliant idea to create this magic system and my main character and what she can and can't do. And then by the third book, I, I tried to do something. I went, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> into walls because damn it, I created a magic system and there's rules. Yep. You well, gotta you just gotta, your own rules, which is like, ah. <laughs> you just gotta pull a Doctor Who. Like the universe cannot always be explained. <laughs> so it just happens. Like effect and, and this didn't actually happen the way you thought. This is the way it's always been. <laughs> you were there just confused. That's right. Yeah. There was a crack in the wall, and some universe energy got through. Not <laughs> a <Bada> big. <laughs> now, I've never really. Uh, I don't know. I've never written uh, witches specifically, though. In the the dark of night. That was such a witch. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to read Joe's comment. That's good. Um, it's all good. <laughs> Um, Be very afraid of Jane. That's all you need to know. Oh, I am. I am. Yeah, she's terrible. I read her. Yeah, never mind. She's she's terrible. I read Grayson House, right? Or she was, something more. Star, 
it scarred me because I pictured you. I pictured you doing that to everyone you didn't like. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> but I scared the hell out of somebody <laughs> in the computer class. That how she is. She's so happy. She's so she happy. thrilled that she's scaring people. <laughs> Uh, that's the whole point of horror. Come on. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, well, one thing, one thing I liked about uh, witches and and my my character in The Dark of Night, um, we would we would call her a witch because she can do magically typed things. But um, is the idea that you know in previous centuries, you know, men and women who were perhaps more educated or more worldly than than other men and women. Uh, were sometimes considered witches just for that fact. They didn't necessarily have to have any kind of magical abilities. So I like the idea of just these really kind of educated worldly people um, and maybe throw in a little bit of supernatural stuff there and, uh, and create something. And I feel like that gives it a little bit more reality too, because like, you know, I can really picture this person existing um, and when you when you can picture him existing, I think that that gives a more credibility to some of the magic that you create. As long as you don't go too far over the top, mm-hmm. you know, go too far than your than your fantasy. But you know, I like to kind of ride that ride that line a little bit there. And I don't call it magical realism any, anymore because someone um, scolded me um, months back saying that magical realism is not at all what I what I thought it was. And it's like, oh well, that's. Not something I'm gonna I'm gonna call my weird quasi fantasy anymore. Wait, so. wait a second. So yeah. what is magical realism then? If it Mag- wasn't what you had defined it as, what what are they telling you it is now defined as? Magical realism has its roots in um, a lot of Southern like Black culture and uh, Latino culture, and when we do it, it's fabulism, which is also a really cool word. <laughs> It is. I almost named my podcast the fabulist. So there's different versions then of magical realism, depending on where it comes from. Yeah, the culture or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. never heard of that. But yeah, I got fabulism from now on because that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so, and, and I was deeply chagrined when I, when I learned that. It was like, wow, I've been saying this for years i've been calling my work magical realism because it's realistic with a little bit of magic to it and it it made sense in a practical sense but i was like oh well that's that sounds like it's something that's going to be offensive to someone else so i definitely don't want to be offensive but um so yeah so whoever that person was on twitter that scolded me years ago thank you (laughs) but but now we can use fabulism which is i mean 10 times better so and you can call me the fabulist (laughs) <laughs> Wait, is there a way for me to change my screen name right now? Awesome. Okay, so then because we always have so many different splinter versions of genres, speculative fiction also gets lumped into that too. So uh, what defines the, speculative fiction? Way. Yeah, I think the way I've understood it is it's either an umbrella or it's um sort of a holier than thou way of referring to, no, to sci-fi. Um, I think it's Benson who's saying it. I, I only heard it three years ago. And when I heard it, I was like, well, that's that's kind of a hoity-toity thing to say about what we're writing. But whatever. <laughs> I mean, we'll all take it. 
I've, I've noticed it's, it's usually like, well, this is more high concept. Or, <laughs> oh, I hate that term, high concept. Yeah. It's all high concept, damn it. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it might just be a also like a big five publisher kind of um, yeah. name. And I don't know. When I think of speculative fiction, and many people will, will disagree because spec fiction covers so much, but I think of uh, Samuel Peralta. Uh, several people here probably know who Samuel Peralta is. Um, I think of his, uh, his fiction and his poetry, and it really kind of defines for me what spectacular is. Um, just really unique ideas, um, things that may mm -hmm. be futuristic, you know, tech-wise or thought-wise or a little bit of fantasy, but it's really tough for me to describe the way I see it without just reading his, his writing because I'm like, that's, yeah. that's what it is to me. That's what it means. Yeah, I think there's there is an undertone to like society, like the, the aspect of speculating about society too, not just technology. Um, if if we were to like really break it down, maybe. Uh, and really, it just reminded me of my nickname. Oh, dang it! Where is it? I can't remember. It's Julie, you got a. It's like a Hira of horror. Got You got to mm -hmm. remind me of what. Uh, Julia, because I, I love the way that looks. It, it makes me seem like some kind of ancient Egyptian goddess. We're going to have to make you a nice little scripty font with that. And oh, papyrus? That. Yeah. Yes. Oh, papyrus. <laughs> no. You mean the Avatar movie font? I'm confused. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not going to lie. I love that freaking movie. I, I love, love that movie that. so much. <laughs> it, it's so like... Good. It blew people with tails, shiny oh things everywhere. God. Where can you go wrong? I mean, the the, the plot is, is not original, but that's okay. No, no. <laughs> the gorgeous. It's a good plot. It is. And what about my friend, Michael, who is, um, I actually haven't talked to in years. Michael, if you're out there, you should connect with me again. Um, he referred to them when it first came out as sexy Smurf, the sexy Smurf movie or something like that. <laughs> oh. It's a little weird. I'm not going to oh, yeah. look at it. Way again now, but <laughs> I think you've missed a huge uh, uh concept uh issue. But um, any anyhow, okay, what were we talking about, Katie? We were, we were gonna get you a title card with scripty font, yes, <laughs> that was the last thing I remember. Squirrel moment, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a font of four. Yeah, I what's taking you guys so long, Rebecca, Julia? I need a definition here so that I can actually help myself. <laughs> Um, yes. Okay, so horror. Here's a good question. What do you guys consider horror? Like, what's horror to any of you? Like, you know, you you write crime thrillers, and V, you you write. I, I've only read read any of your Nell Bentley stuff. I haven't read anything else. Uh, but you know, you write about an, an archaeologist that wouldn't typically be considered horror horror, but there's some horrible stuff. You know, same for you, Dwayne. There's some horrible stuff in there. Is that horror, or is that still? Where's the, the line between horror and thriller? Where Where's uh, the line on that? I mean, if you're talking about like story story structure wise, um, I think horror is usually determined as something much more powerful and outside the main character's power. Um, as far as the antagonist goes, like it's either supernatural or 
or not, but it might feel that way um, if it's a if it's a human villain. But I feel like there's there's something more there than just story structure that I don't know. Something yeah. Really cool. <laughs> yeah, I would I would think so too. I mean, I think I think I've created some terribly terribly evil characters who do horrible things. Mm -hmm. But I but I, I think they're evil characters who do horrible things. I'm not sure that it, it necessarily crosses over into horror. Uh, you might be horrified by it, but right. th that that's different in itself. Well, and and uh, Anita says horror equals fear. Now, here's my question for you, Anita, or anyone else who wants to chime in: Is it fear for the characters or fear for the reader? You know, I have a a story and the can I just released. Um, and it's I don't consider it necessarily a horror story, but it's in a collection of horror stories. Um, and you know, it's it's terrifying for the character. I don't think it's necessarily terrifying for the reader. Um, you know, is that still a horror story? What do you think? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's hmm. that's a hard one. See, I don't know where the line actually is drawn there. I've always kind of, again, like with other ones, you kind of lump them in together, use them interchangeably. But I know there is a line, so hopefully somebody in our audience can help us. Yeah, I, I mean, line. I write suspense, and some of them walk the line into horror because there's, mm -hmm. I mean, there are scary elements, and and you know the the you know don't go into the woods, you know <laughs> things like that. Monsters you know, are scary, but not all monsters are in horror books too. Right. Right. Well, there's psychological horror, just like psychological suspense. There's, you know, the monster side. There's, you know, just just the the horrific things that people do to each other. So it, it walks a line, and well, can be it, either. Well, so then then that line gets really wide and really blurry because I went to see a movie in theaters a couple maybe two years ago now and. I mean, I felt a lot of fear. It was it was horrible for me. It was terrible for me. And everybody else in my family loved it. Um, it's called, you might be familiar with it, it's called The Greatest Showman. Oh, um, I was waiting for that. Yeah, it was, was horrible. It was horrible. Um, I, I thought it was, I mean, I, I mean, I had a little bit of PTSD after watching that. But everyone else seems to think it's this great movie and the characters were happy. And so, you know, that, that can we can classify that as horror? Is that why you were, were hugging so hard when I made you watch it when you came down to our house? I mean, I just thought you wanted to cuddle, but I didn't know you were scared. I'm sorry. Put up Rebecca's last comment, because that is really good. <laughs> Most humans, yes. There's the ball I, I Don't count. Jane is not course, human. Course, you have to understand when my, husband, when my husband play, played pool at, on Wednesday nights, I would watch horror movies alone at home because he's not a horror person and I, I <laughs> and I'd be fine. I'd go to sleep. So yeah, maybe I'm not. I don't and know. I'm the opposite. I have that overactive imagination and I will hear every sound in the house that I shouldn't hear after watching a horror movie. <laughs> And will freak out and not be able to sleep at all. The ring didn't scare me. Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, sleep yeah, yeah, yeah. The ring didn't didn't really scare me. Panic but, room, uh, panic room got to me, but that's more of a suspense, not well, and, not so much a horror. And it's it, funny because I watched it and I got up to go upstairs and all the lights in the house went off. 
Oh, hell no. No. And my kid and my kids are up there and I'm like, you know, I just watched Panic Room. <laughs> so I kind of went I, up there I, and <laughs> made sure high, they were okay. High budget, high budget suspense done by a uh, director and cinematographers who really know their shit is more terrifying than anything. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because they know exactly what they're trying to create. They're creating these prolonged suspenseful moments with a little bit of release and then right back into it. So you never really recover. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I really liked, um, what was the, uh, John Krasinski movie, A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I like that. Movie. That. that was I thought really that was, good. It was phenomenal. The storytelling was great. The acting was all wonderful. And it was just, you know, just that, that slow, steady build, a little bit of release, slow, steady build. And I was like, Oh, that's just, just beautiful you know so much better than most horror movies where okay we're on a farm and someone's trying to you know dice us up with you know a machete or chainsaw mm-hmm. or what um you know and there's there's somebody else that um does it really well he's been on the show michael brent collings mm-hmm. um one of the best-selling horror authors in the world and you know he is all about uh creating suspense and some of his books that might not even be considered horror are definitely horror <laughs> Because of the, the, the way that he makes you feel, how you just, your skin is crawling, your chest is tight, you can't sit still, you can't sleep well. And oh, and Joe says, I think good, oh wait, I gotta do a Joe voice. What's a good Joe voice? I think good based <laughs> on your fears, but the scariest things to most people are those that hit closest to home and possibly make you think this could happen. Mm-hmm. No, that's a very good. That makes voice. sense. That that makes I'm, a lot of sense. <laughs> One of the reasons that I love like monster movies, but I can't watch horror, is in my mind I know it's a hundred percent fake, and it never bothered me to watch Frankenstein. It never bothered me to to watch vampire movies or werewolf movies. Those were just fun. But you put in a serial killer stalking you in the dark, and I'm 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 too scared. I can't sleep. I hear noises. I think people are outside the window, and and the imagination just goes wild. Yeah, things like part of like it. Gothica and What Lies Beneath. Those movies got to me more than things like The Ring or you know things like that because it it does make you think. Yeah, you know, even though they both had supernatural elements, but <laughs> those those elements, those monsters are still in the horror category in some some mm-hmm. respects, even though they're right. really not you know, what traditionally, I guess, horror is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's all about subtlety. If you're subtle enough, if you don't go over the top, then yeah. you maintain that believability. And some people want over the top, and that's cool. I mean, I read fantasy for years and years and years. I still really love fantasy. Um, but if you maintain that realism, you can really drive things home and, and really hurt people when they read your book. Please. you and know and smile when they do that to you <laughs> you know and and so i think that you know you know books like like crime thrillers you know and Dwayne writes crime thrillers you know i think that those do hit close to home because we know that these type of things happen in the real world you know mm-hmm. we we hear about it on the news or we watch it in our in our movies and so we when we read a book about horrific things happening like like this we can really believe it that oh okay this stuff really did happen up in canada thank god you know we've got a border and we would never come down peaceful united states yes we're doing so well down here yeah. <laughs> i think 
I think another part that sort of separates thriller and horror, and again, it's it's like a blurry line here, but I think when you're going into a horror story, you don't know if it's going to end up okay. I mean, obviously, with, with any book, you're not sure, but I think there's a much greater uncertainty with horror than there is with thriller. Because with thriller, I think you're you have a lot more of the pieces and you can sort of piece together like, oh, well, well, maybe if, if they do this, if, if they do that, it'll end up okay. But with horror, there's a lot less control um, that yeah. that you have, um, whether, you know, it's the character or just you as the reader, I think you have you have a lot less control. Um, and you're really not sure. And, and often, I think in a lot of horror, it, it doesn't end up okay. <laughs> Yeah, the Bible um, is your happily ever after, and that's that's it. Right, and right. and that's only you, and and then everyone else, especially that one person you slept with at the beginning, is gone. I think that's a big part of the reason that certain people get stuck with the authors uh, that they're used to reading, um, and and I'm guilty of this as well. Until very recently, I would stick with you know certain authors that I love because you kind of get a feel for their style, what they're going to allow to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, how they're going to resolve things. Is it going to be, you know, are, are you okay with those types of resolutions? And, and so you're like, oh, I want to read more books like that. You know, I want to, you know, I want to read books with an unhappy ending, or I want to read books where the hero gets, gets their way. And, and so you, you get, you get kind of stuck in that and you forget that there's so many more cool options out there. There's not always good guy wins or good good guy doesn't win. Sometimes there's some other really cool stuff that you don't even know is out there until you try. Um, you know, and, and when authors start, especially, what I, what I especially love lately is when authors are blurring the line between, you know, what is the, the good guy um, and what is the bad guy. Uh, I really, um, sorry, I, sorry, everyone, <laughs> comments. Yeah. Yeah, podcast. You have no what I'm doing. Um, but anyway, I, I really enjoy it when that line between good guy and bad guy is blurred because I feel like it is a lot more realistic um, and, it, and it's it's a little bit more dynamic. You know, I've I've read a thousand books where you know the good guy wins, and you know I I like those books. I like the good guy getting their way, but I also like it when they're a little bit ambiguous. Maybe the good guy is a total piece of shit. <laughs> it just happens to the <laughs> the right thing at the right time for the right person. And that's what makes him the good bad guy in that story. When in reality, maybe the bad guy was actually doing the right thing 90% of the time and we only got to hear the good guy's point of view for this, you know, 300 pages. I don't know, there's mm -hmm. so many cool options out there. Perspective matters. I, I love morally gray characters. Like, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I could write a character that wasn't at least a little bit bad. <laughs> I think that Mel is, at least as far as book one, one goes, I think Mel is not a morally great character. I think that Mel is a good that's, that's person. True. She's I mean, flawed, though. She's flawed. I mean, oh, I think... Yeah. She's I, fucked, but... <laughs> <laughs> Especially she's got, with, she's got with, problems. <laughs> with the, the anger, but um, what one of the other things that I was you know, concerned about with, with research is, you know, she, she is a white woman studying a culture that's not hers. Um, and that's, that's, I think, where some of that weird morality comes in. Cause it's like, what's, yeah. what's going on here? <laughs> I have a question that relates to this, if that's all right. Okay. 
it, it doesn't matter if it's right. I'm going to ask it, and whether you answer it or not, it's okay. Thanks, Jason. I'm amongst the killing. You described it perfectly. Smiley face. You're welcome, Joe. <laughs> My intent, 100% when I, when I made that statement. My question is this, um, and you don't have to answer if this is a weird subject. So Nell, um, or any other uh, archaeologist, is has been hired by some company to dig on some land, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. This land is actually the ancestral land of X people. Is it morally or ethically okay for her to be digging on that land? And if she does, do those artifacts go back to the people whose land it was originally, or do they go to whatever company hired her? Well, who who hired that company and, and why are they there? Um, That's what so, I don't know. Yeah, I. Um, it, it, it really depends. Um, I have worked for companies that are doing um, pretty large projects and we have tribal people out with us. Um, and a lot of times where we're at, um, culturally and just as far as colonialism goes, it's usually whatever this progress is, it's new road, pipeline, power line, whatever, it's gonna happen anyways. And they know that we're sort of a a necessary um, pothole in the road to protecting what is gonna be destroyed anyways. Um, That's like the sanitized version, Um, but I, I know of people who have walked away from jobs because they were told, no, that's not what you're saying it is. No, that's not human remains um, because we don't want it to be. Go away, be quiet. And so then they walked away from those jobs. Um, and that's that's not okay. But it, it really depends on, on who hired them and whether the tribes are involved because I've also worked on projects where the tribes should have been and weren't um, okay. for whatever series of reasons. So yeah, it's... It really depends, but really the, the tribe should be involved as much as possible. Okay. Sounds like <laughs> maybe a complicated issue. It's a very complicated issue, yes. Okay. And I mean, and that's also, that's that's coming from, from my perspective, having worked as a white person in this field. So, you know, okay. I'm sure there are other people who have much more to say about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I've, I've been curious about that and my... My wife and I have talked about it, and I keep saying I'm, I'm going to ask V. And um, so now I finally got the opportunity to ask you. So yes. thank you. I, I, I can give you more details when, when we are off air. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so we are winding down, everyone. And before we go, I'd like to give each of you, Ryan um, and V, the opportunity to kind of plug whatever we're working on right now, if that's okay. Dwayne, you're up. Yeah. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the Brad Coulter series, I have uh, number four, which is called tentatively called 13 Days of Terror, uh, just back from my editor. So it's up to me to make the final changes on it. And uh, it's about a sniper. And the idea actually came from the uh, Beltway sniper, DC sniper in 2002. So that was the, the kernel of information I needed. And then, uh, you know, I changed it changed it to Canada because because we're far more evil than that. Um, and so the, the, the snipers go crazy in in Calgary and they have a reason for doing it. Um, but you have to understand that, you know, if, if you're murdered in Canada, we will apologize and say we're sorry afterwards. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, so that uh, uh, that one's going to come out in in November, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that one. That one that one's pretty fast paced and moves quick. And actually, a few times my editor said you get, you're going to have to give the breather or the the reader a breather in here. You're going to have to do some sort of recap because it's it's just moving along uh, so fast. quick. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and th that's my goal with the novels is, is to take you along fast and take you along on the journey and, and hopefully get your emotion uh, going with it, with it too. And then I'm, I'm already started on uh, culture series number six or number five, and it's uh, tentatively called Goddess of Justice. Ooh, I like that title. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. All right, V, yeah. you're up. Okay, I'm up. Um, so what am I working on right now? Um, I'm finishing the final book in my Reforged fantasy series, um, which is terrifying and exciting at the same time. And I'm also working on the fourth Nell Bentley book, um, which has a lot more murder and explosions and um, conspiracies in it <laughs> than, than the first few. Yes, uh, yeah, more, more Nell, there's a total of six. Um, and I'm also working on my secret plot line, which is- Tell us about it death and sex and necromancy and um is totally different from anything i've done before so i'm also looking forward to that <laughs> yes yes i love it yes. that should be your tagline right there <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Right, right now it's a, a a valentine for death is is the tagline okay um, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll see how how gritty it gets nice. Well, and I, I said that I hadn't read any of your other books besides Nell Bentley, but that's not true. I also read uh, Smoke and Rain, I believe. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> a year or two ago. Yeah, that was very good, too. So, sorry, I had you started talking about Reforged. So I was like, wait a second. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> well, Katie and Jane, what do you guys have coming out or recently? Well, I'm still working on Grimm's Daughter, so I'm about 20,000 words into that, and and Katie and I are talking about after that, maybe doing another co-writing series. So in her world. Possibly tied <laughs> to the asset series, if we yes. can fix the angles. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And I'm, I'm working through book five. I, I finally broke the 20K mark on book five of the asset series. So I think I'm finally figuring out where the plot's going. Yep. And I will hope to have that one out this year. Yeah, mine's doing. A, mine will come out on October thirteenth. So, I didn't. I, I don't have one every three three months. <laughs> I did a six month window. So, <laughs> I slowed down a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Jason, how about you? Uh, I actually have uh, Pathosis coming out uh, later this month. I believe yeah. it's yeah, it's been three Furies Press, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's uh, it is actually my pandemic novel novel that I, I wrote a few years ago that uh, we'll be releasing in the middle, middle of the pandemic. So <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, oh. there's spiders and you know zombie like creatures and just good good old action. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Go Eddie now says, uh, great show, guys. One of your bosses. Yeah, yeah, one of our bosses. And the, the other boss needs to be mentioned as well. Our, our other yes. wonderful yeah. sponsor, the awesome, the amazing, the not to ever be forgotten, Miss Rebecca Jonesy. She calls herself the author of realistic fantasies, both sexy and killer. <laughs> her links in the show notes below. <laughs> Yay. Isn't that the whole thing for Rebecca? I was expecting something snarky. No, we need more from her. 
Well, I'll yeah. work on it. I'll get the cattle prod out and actually turn it on her this time. Uh, well, Re Rebecca, is, she's also the author of the Mab's Doll series, where the Fae understand that everyone is unique and all love is valid. And she also sponsors my show, Unafraid. So I'm very, very happy to have you there. She Guys, is it has, she is amazing. Um, and she's also uh, co-authoring a book with me uh, over this next year. If I can get it. That should be um, fab. <laughs> what was the word we're right, using now? Fabulous. Fabulous. Yes. yes fab or fabulism. fabulism. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I think it's both. It probably depends on which way you're using it. I love I'm that. The fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Oh no! Like a pie to bake or something like that. <laughs> All right, guys, it is wonderful to have you on. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, everyone who's been watching, listening, and commenting. Uh, we really appreciate this, this time that we get to spend with you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Thank Remember, you. Like, share, subscribe.